You're listening to Rookie Pirate Radio, the official anime and manga podcast for InBetweenDrafts.com. I'm John Negroni. And I'm Travis Hymas. And today we're doing a manga recap of One Piece chapter 1100. We made it to 1100. Kind of amazing. It's titled, Thank You, Bonnie. And Travis, you know what? Thank you for going easy on me when my One Piece theories fall apart. Uh, it's it's really easy, especially when you're on just an absolute hot streak and killing it with your One Piece theories right now. When that streak ends, I will, you know, I'll still take it easy on you, though. Speaking of unlikely hot streaks, Travis, we're getting close to our 30th uh, manga recap because our, our first one was 1071. So 1101. I'm ca- I'm keeping track. When we get to 50, are we going to have like a pizza party like they do in the chat? Yeah, we might, we might have to have a cake or something. I don't do know. What do you, what do you, what's your uh, what's your what what kind of. How do anniversary gifts work in One Piece? Most relationships don't seem like they last that long. (laughs) Well, if it's 30 chapters, uh, Sanji, Sanji means three, uh, three o'clock. So, uh, you know, in the cover for this, he's chopping vegetables. So maybe we have vegetables like, you know, repping the the Usopp crew. Right. It's probably it's probably that's probably best. for. I just pulled that totally out of nowhere. Absolutely (laughs) made it up. Yeah. (laughs) As usual, we're going to be discussing spoilers for the One Piece manga up until this chapter. Actually, we could go to One Piece chapter 30 and then see what happens there if there's food. Anyway, um, if you have not yet read chapter 1100, be sure to do so now for free on the Viz website or the Shonen Jump app linked in the show notes. As always, remember, all new One Piece chapters are available to read for free as soon as they come out up to three weeks after the official release or whenever you want if you're subscribed to shonen jump which we are and do recommend travis i know this is normally the part of the show where we talk about the ways that the the community can connect with us usually we have some amnesia right and i want to i don't want to belabor it too much because we, we do have an email read on the show and uh first though before we get to the email i know everyone's like email i didn't know you could email the Rookie Pirate Radio team. Uh, Rookie D Pirate has been asking me every single week to, to check the email. And so I, I want to follow our producer's orders. He's the captain. But uh, yeah, Trevs, can you just uh, remind the listeners what the, the email is? Because apparently only this person who emailed us remembered. Well, uh, I'm, I'm glad somebody had our news coup uh, on hand, but that's rookiepirateradio at gmail.com. One more time, either slower or faster. Ooh, 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 the choices. Uh, rookie Pirate Radio at gmail.com. Love it. There we go. Love it, love it, love mm-hmm. it. Uh, <laughs> I felt that one. We do also have a Discord. That's where the cool kids also like to hang out. And by cool kids, I mean rookie pirates, which, right, middle school John would just be like, what have you done with your life? Uh, you've made it cool, uh, <laughs> essentially. Uh, the Discord, the Discord's still a thing, right, Travis? They haven't shut us down? They haven't shut us down, and the app got an update today, so I can see notifications better, and thank goodness for that. Uh, so mm. now I'll see all of your truly crazy One Piece theories, the ones too hot for the podcast and will only be in that Discord. But Travis, I heard a rumor that on the Discord, you can request the Rookie Pirates to do certain types of episodes. In fact, one listener, one person in the Discord even suggested we do Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2, even though I would have to binge it. What is that all about? Well, uh, that that is a thing that was requested, and I'm 100% willing to do. I just don't know if you have the emotional fortitude for it. Wow. Travis, that's, that's my challenge can I tell you, you the kinds of movies I've been watching for award season? I watched The Zone <laughs> of Interest. I watched Poor Things. I watched May, December. I'm watching all these movies in rapid succession, and I think I can, I think I can handle Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2, he said, not you knowing are gonna, what was to come. Yeah, oh, man. If we actually do that episode, I'm going to play that back. Oh, yes. <laughs> Play it back. I, I wouldn't stop you. Um, yeah, but the Discord is linked in the show notes. We'd love to hang out with y'all. Uh, we have the One Piece channel, One Piece, One Piece spoilers chat. That's where we're hanging out. And we also have the One Piece is real for all of you spoiler-free folks. Or if you want to recommend it to a spoiler-free person. And yeah, we have all the other stuff going on in the Discord. Wait, wait, like what? I, I forgot. Oh, well, we post uh, we post all the articles from in-between drafts there. Uh, 
both in our you new articles do. channel. Well, yeah, we do. We, I'm working on it, all right? But uh, we also have channels for specific content that uh, In Between Drafts covers, games, music, TV. Uh, the Game Awards are coming up this week. We might be in there um, dinking around in the games channel, uh, having some fun. The Grand Theft Auto trailer came out uh, a day early. Uh, so so we've got that. Got we got leaked, right? chats going on. Yeah, I, I kind of freeze framed that thing. I'm not going to lie to you. It got uh, leaked by a Bitcoin bro, of course, like the, the most 2023 way possible for that to get leaked. Uh, it's I've more been, like 2021 way. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I've been posting my uh, my Pokemon advent calendar posts there as well. Uh, all kinds, all kinds of things going on in that discord. Come, come say hi. Uh, we'd love to have you. I know this is a one piece podcast, but I know a lot of people listening are like, but what about Wonka? And I wrote a review of Wonka. And if you were on our Discord, you would have seen it pop up. You would have been like, oh, yeah, now I could read a review of Wonka in between One Piece chapters. You would have seen that and the magnificent, the magnificent headline that, that uh, you liked John it. I've gotten that. zero compliments on that I, headline. <laughs> I've been I waiting on that. For I an saw ego that and I was like, I was like, that is that is just like uh, the zinger of all zingers right there. Just especially especially because no one expected the outcome i don't want to spoil your review no one expected the outcome of that movie to be what you took away from it so, <laughs> so there you go what a tease wonderful uh, yeah there you go go check it out here's our email this is from neilon john and i'm not gonna read the whole thing because uh, there was some stuff there specific to our correspondence but uh, this is the gist here we go all right so neilon john said i do like to share a version of the progress of the one piece which is the manga progress is manga progress which is very much like a game however i think someone somewhere has definitely discussed this the one piece series is kind of like a game progression where when the main character luffy levels up the whole universe around him levels up and the fights are all with the new level like the marine fruit battle hockey usage was not vividly shown nor awakened devil fruit even though the character involved was super strong with loads of experience hockey was properly shown after the time skip same with awakened fruit battle is it like oda is thinking of these new things and incorporating it as luffy is coming across it also talking about experience the timeline of one piece not sure it works uh similarly to what we follow or think shanks goldie roger whitebeard big mom kaido are in the seas as pirates uh for ages uh, like decades goldie roger was on the water for like nearly half his life and became the pirate king whereas luffy f- seems different like his whole adventure time including the time skip is under three years and the series is nearly 75 percent done it doesn't make sense with the time frame have you discussed this in any episode or we'll be discussing it i think we have brought up the whole thing about how quick their journey is in relation to the other characters uh, we've lightly touched on it we've definitely talked about how weird the concept of time is because their days are like 40 hours long it seems like like the the entirety of of you know it the, the most mind blowing is of course the the act three of Wano basically happening over the course of a single night that's just that's bonkers to think about outside of narrative yeah uh, I I mean Dressrosa right was like wasn't it that they they couldn't have night is that how it worked or something or yeah like like it pretty much happens all within a day because by the time you're all wrapped up that like night finally falls and that's just kind of the end and you so much happens like yeah it, when you think about it it's kind of wild because we have these lulls in battles where like luffy has to take a breather and it feels like it's dragging things out but it literally can't be because time moves so slowly um there's all kinds of weird theories about this to like everything from like that the world of one piece literally rotates slower to uh, i mean people have thought of it all like the sun actually rotates around the earth in one piece all, all kinds of stuff uh i don't know if it'll come up it's one of those things where we have enough celestial body talk now where like it's not outside the realm of possibility to me that that might actually be a thing oda yeah. is intending um but uh i do like the comparison to rpgs because that's kind of what it feels like um our our writer here is referring to specifically which is great because we uh we actually talked about on this podcast one piece odyssey at the top of the year uh which one of the things that i quite liked about it is that it finally it was kind of a game that clued meet like directly into that that same connection we're like hey the straw hats are basically one big video game party adventuring party and they all kind of serve different moves and and roles in that uh and it translates very very well uh so 
yeah, uh, of course. Like as Oda progresses them through that story, he refines the ideas he's had kicking around in his head, or comes up with new ones depending on the situation. We're going to talk about some of that today, and yeah, so it's one of those things where sometimes it's not entirely consistent. Like, yeah, you'd think like Crocodile would use hockey, right? But yeah, you you kind of just have to let it go because. If we knew about it that early in the story, imagine how much else of the story would break. Uh, so g- good thoughts, though, uh, especially about how time works. What an idea. Yeah, I do think that Oda had hockey in mind from the very beginning. First chapter has Shanks using Conqueror's hockey. But I think the idea of hockey just sort of being like the way Super Saiyan becomes in Dragon Ball Z, yeah. everybody can do it. Uh, is it, it's something that kind of happens when you do a shonen that's long running. Well, yeah, well, you're, you're, run you're, 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 you, you actually write fiction, John. You probably could speak more to this than I can. But when it, yeah, you know, when it comes to like, oh, I had an idea for this. It's not really the same thing as like. There, there's a difference between knowing like where you want to take a story and actually getting there. I guess right. Uh, very recently this has been in my head because uh we're working on some content for the site uh but the uh the legend of Korra, for example the way that that series ended they had ideas in mind for how they wanted that story to end but the biggest reveal of course which would be who Korra ended up with was not something they intended when they created any of those characters it wasn't a planned thing it was a response, uh, like an organic yeah, it response. It was a response to what was happening organically with the community and organically in the story. Yeah. And and so a lot of things I would say, you know, we've seen hockey kind of ebb and flow as well through the story. We've seen it teased out in different aspects during Skypea. Uh, you know, there's there's it's not really hockey when you deal with uh in, in any's lobby with CP zero um there, CP nine, but uh you know, it's it's supposed to make you think about that of like elevated skills and stuff to eventually get to the to the reveal. But like every single step of that journey, things are changing. They're being altered. You know, uh, I mean, I mean, let's be honest. Not every single idea Oda had twenty five years ago was the best version of that idea, right? So, mm-hmm. case in point, this Kuma flashback. <laughs> yeah, I, I would just add that I think the way the time works, it reminds me a lot of a Song of Ice and Fire. Game of Thrones also has kind of similar stuff. We know Oda is a huge fan of those books and the show. And yeah, Game of Thrones, like winter can be like 20 years, right? Or I think the way that the story started, it was like summer had been going on for so long that children had never gone through an actual winter. And there are just some fantasy worlds that play around with that because why not? It's not Earth, so it can be a little bit different. And in relation to the whole thing where like Luffy seems to, him and his adventure, it seems to be progressing so quickly. Like everything that they're going through as opposed to Roger was on the sea for decades. I think a lot of that comes down to the focused nature of Luffy's dream and the way that Oda is telling a story about the way we progress is the way that we take chances and the more you're knocked down and get back up, the stronger you get that another Dragon Ball Z thing, right? That's the core to like what makes Goku get through all of his stuff. It's the formula that Toriyama landed on basically starting with like when they really started um, amp the martial arts stuff, it became a formula. It's like Goku faces a character, the character nearly kills him, but he trains, works hard, and then he becomes even stronger, like nearly dying makes him stronger. And the, one Piece Pirates, their sort of spin on that, uh, the Straw Hat Pirates, the way that they progress seems to be they are willing to take much bigger chances. Like when you do play a video game, a lot of what I like to do is I like to grind for a little bit before I move on to the next level. I don't just, you know, try to like, you know, speed run the game. The Straw Hat Pirates are in some ways trying to speed run <laughs> the Grand Line, but the benefit of that is that they aren't sort of like dawdling about, they're not wavering, they have a focused mission. Luffy wants to be king of the pirates, and I would argue that I don't I don't think that that's necessarily a goal that, you know, Roger and them really had in mind. The whole idea of like Laugh Tale conquering the whole ocean, it's a more abstract thing during their time. And I think that like, yeah, the circumstances are going to be super different. And what do we see from all the other like pirates who set out like Luffy? What cuts them down is they, they, they take chances. They go out and then Kaido beats them down. Whitebeard beats them down. They end up in the middle of the ocean. They run into this guy, Luffy, but he doesn't let defeat 
stop him in his tracks. And that's what makes him and his crew special. And that's why it's better that the story has, has them moving so much faster because they have like the momentum of a pirate King crew in that sense. And so I think that it perfectly serves the story and ultimately fulfills, I think like Oda's intention with the whole thing, which is that this is for kids (laughs) and like, you know, there should be that underdog quality to their ages. Yeah, um, you know, it, it. You mentioned Toriyama. You you kind of mentioned the 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 shonen formula. This is this is not unlike Naruto. It's not unlike uh, even Bleach, where n- you would think more time would pass, and it really just comes down to you know kids like seeing themselves. It 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 makes a lot more sense to have a teenage and and you know a teenage Luffy or a younger character in in the case of other series rather than. Um, Rather than an adult, because it's it's harder to project that on, and so you have the so you kind of punt that that the the coolness factor to those older characters instead to like serve as inspiration, and that's your Goldie Rogers, that's your White Beards, that's your Shanks's, you know, and, and you know their presence kind of breaks the story when you think about it because you're like, oh well, why you know why didn't X Y and Z happen? And it, in the case of One Piece, often the answer is because they just didn't want it. Like Whitebeard just never had designs on it. Like you mentioned, it wasn't really the, his dream to take up Roger's mantle or anything like that. But it, it, it kind of persists throughout the uh, throughout the medium. It's just like yeah, you have kind of the cool older characters. Even Ace would fall under that category, I would say. Like Ace was just a little too old to really be like... Like if he was the lead character, he wouldn't be nearly as compelling as he is as a... So, as a as luffy's brother having his own adventure i almost said corpse there uh but <laughs> that's Jeez. also true it's also true but um, he still gets his own light novel right because he does have yeah, that he quality. Does. yeah he does I, I mean once you've opened that door absolutely and, and one piece kind of uniquely has the ability to, to take so many of its characters i mean we could have light novels of so many different characters if, if, if oda really wanted and where to begin yeah where to yeah where would you even start like you could go all the way back to to east blue and start telling us about uh er, early zeph adventures would be fun or uh mm-hmm. or just like we i mean we never even found out what happened to arlong you could do a whole light novel series about what happened to arlong after luffy you know punched his nose in like I so would love like a things. Germa 66 light novel from the perspective of Reju. And like, sure, you know, cause her character is one of the most interesting to that crew, that whole group. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a very good point. And, and that's, that's pretty unique to one piece, but even, even other series in the, in the same kind of medium, just you, as long as you have like a, a, a really grounded, like n- character for the, the core audience to kind of use as that grounding point usually younger usually kind of full of that same spirit and because it is a power fantasy capable even if they mm-hmm. don't know it yet like, like let's be honest and and of course then series go on to play with that formula back and forth uh so it's it's always a little bit different um sometimes the fun literally comes from them not being good you know especially with light novels they love going yeah. in that direction but and in, and in terms of believability yeah, the I foundations mean, it's not like it's you haka show where the main guy's in middle school <laughs> and he's like you know at, at a certain point he just ends up being an impossibly strong you know but okay well, yeah, it's it's uh it's like the spot uh, uh before we before it's like the spy family gag uh you know from the first season i don't know if you remember where uh, they're playing the the uh, dodgeball game, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and like and like the big reveal is the other classes player is just literally a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure character. But <laughs> they're but playing still, Dragon Ball Z, and then yeah, yeah. But he's still like literally a child. Like like yeah, you know they know they all kind of know that sometimes it gets a little unrealistic. But uh, that's one of my it, favorite gags in season two is the harem one. But we don't have the to hair, get into yeah. that. Oh, oh, man, that was just they talk about those. A few minutes of just perfect bliss. Um, but okay, let's talk about this chapter. One Piece chapter 1100. And thank you so much for the email, Neil and John. We really appreciate it. Uh, fun conversation. All right, so this chapter, chapter 1100, big milestone chapter. A lot of speculation was coming in that Dragon would be a big part of it because he w- was introduced in chapter 100. Was he? Well, let's find out. And normally I would do uh, original manga recaps of this. I'd write this out and, and do my own main beats. However, I didn't have time this week. So <laughs> I'm going to be pulling from the wiki summary. So, uh, you know, One Piece wiki, you can always check that out. It's always a fun go-to resource if you just want to poke around the world of One Piece lore. The folks who put that stuff together are miracle workers, and uh, we, we owe them a lot. So, okay, 
Here we go. Uh, the chapter starts with uh, Kizaru. He arrives at the lab and complains about how cold the island is. We talked about last week about the punk hazard stuff. Uh, how, uh, you know, now they're in the Egghead Island. And it, I guess it's like a similarly cold place, even though when we go to Egghead, it's not. Uh, but anyway, Dr. Vegapunk tells him that this lab will be the future. And his head is overflowing with so many ideas that he cannot think straight. So obviously setting up the uh, satellites. Um, Kizaru, however, says that this is the reason why he did not notice the Den Den Mushi that, uh, that was observing him in his conversation with Kuma, which is why he was dispatched. Kizaru even added that Dr. Vegapunk should have been more cautious, which he cannot help but admit. Dr. Vegapunk talks with Saturn, who tells the scientists that he does not want Kuma to be the face of the Marines' clone soldiers because he is a pirate. As such, he has his own set of conditions for this deal with Kuma. First condition is for Kuma to become a member of the Seven Warlords of the Sea, as they were down a member due to Ace's exploit. So that's a big reveal there. Uh, we didn't know at this point that Ace took down a warlord, no, nor do we know who that warlord is, or former warlord. Uh, the second condition is that Kuma himself becomes a weapon of the Marines by being transformed into a cyborg. The third and final condition is that as part of the transformation and to ensure he does not turn against them due to his history as a revolutionary, he must give up his free will and individuality. Now, so the idea there is that the warlords basically have been running amok, and at this point Saturn is just like, take away their will, you know, they might as well. Dr. Vegapunk yells that taking away Kuma's free will is the equivalent of killing him and leaving behind nothing but a soulless robot. We see Vegapunk getting super incensed about this. Uh, he also deduces that Saturn wants this because the other warlords do not follow orders, as I was just referring to. Saturn retorts that Dr. Vegapunk has no right to complain since he is a military scientist and he sees it as a suitable price to pay for Bonnie's medical, medical procedure. Dr. Vegapunk is still outraged, but Kuma tells him to do it. As he says, he was worried there was no hope for Bonnie, but now that this opportunity has presented himself itself, he will gratefully accept his fate if it means she can live, because Kuma is perfect and wonderful. Uh, Saturn asks Dr. Vegapunk how long Bonnie and Kuma's procedures will last, and Dr. Vegapunk says, Bonnie's treatment's going to last for six months. She'll need to wait a year before she can step into natural sunlight. Kuma's, on the other hand, will take a minimum of two years, and Kuma is relieved, as this means Bonnie will be cured by age 10. Saturn then asks Kuma what is to stop him from turning against the world government once her treatment is complete. Kuma says he will not run, but Saturn insists that Bonnie be left in world government custody once her treatment finishes, and she will be set free once Kuma's mind is erased. Dr. Vegapunk is once again outraged, as it means the two will never see each other again, which Saturn confirms. He says that Kuma's modifications will begin immediately and will be an ongoing process as he starts his tenure as a warlord. After Bonnie is cured, any contact between the two will be forbidden, so they do not escape together. And he threatens to enslave Bonnie if they defy him, which obviously gets Kuma super worked up. Though he is shocked, Kuma says he will not make contact with Bonnie, but he has a request of his own. But Bonnie is not told any of this, not her treatment, and not her status as a hostage. He also asks that she be treated in Sorbet Kingdom, because it's her home. Saturn does agree to this, but says it makes no difference where she is kept as long as the world government oversees it. With that established, Kuma tells Bonnie that the two of them will be staying in the lab for the next six months, though he lies, saying he is feeling ill himself and needs to be checked. But Bonnie was just happy the two could continue to be together. As time passed, Kuma and Bonnie underwent their respective procedures, all the while they would grow closer to Dr. Vegapunk, Sentomaru, and even Kizaru. Once the six months pass, Dr. Vegapunk reveals that the treatment was a success, and after a year of rehabilitation, Bonnie will be completely cured. Kuma and Bonnie thank him, with Bonnie hoping to visit Dr. Vegapunk once she is all better, which he accepts. Returning to Sorbet, Bonnie tells everyone that she will be better in a year, which makes them extremely happy, and it also means that Bulldog and Connie will take care of her again. Kuma prepares to leave and tells Bonnie he will not see her again for at least a year, and though Bonnie was saddened by this, Kuma offers to write to her, which she accepts. Kuma also says that next they meet, they can sail together, which Bonnie looks forward to, though she was completely unaware that Kuma was lying the whole time. Just then, a nurse named Alpha, who is secretly a member of CP8, comes in saying she will take it from here. And yes, she looks exactly like Khalifa, which we're going to talk about. Uh, this creates a gate and a checkpoint for people who wish to visit. She also visually reminds Kuma that what will happen if he dishonors the deal he made with Saturn. But he says he will not return. Before he leaves, he thanks Bonnie for being born, and she and the others happily send him off, and this is the part where John and Travis cried. News of Kuma as one of the seven warlords starts to spread after uh, after this, especially since he obediently obeys every order the world government gives him. The revolutionary army are completely perplexed by this because they know Kuma better than anyone. In the meantime, 
Kuma writes Bonnie, telling her that he is doing okay and that he is finding interesting locations for the two of them to sail together. He makes his way to East Blue and to Fusha Village just as he receives a new order from the world government. Uh, one thing that this didn't really capture is that the warlords, uh, we see them like uh, in several panels kind of reacting to this news even more specifically, and we see Dragon react to this kind of silently. So there's a lot to talk about there. There's a lot to talk about in general. I, I kind of want to start with, gosh, uh, one thing, but actually first, Travis, uh, how, how are you feeling about this one? <laughs> well, it, it's, 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 I mean, on the one hand, we're very much, I think, past, or I thought we were pretty much past the big reveals at this point. And, you know, this this is where we expected the story to go. I think everybody kind of knew one thing was going to lead to another, and there was going to be some sort of situation where Kuma trades his own sense of self for Bonnie. That's exactly how this plays out. Um, there is, for me, a very lingering sense of, uh, above all other things in, in multiple cases, like this has multiple meanings to me. Does he know? Over, over and over again, I'm asking myself at mul- different stages of this chapter, does he know? Uh, you know, does Dragon know the context of, of, of Kuma's choice now? Did, did Vegapunk ever advise him? We know they were talking to each other at the beginning of this arc. This, you know, that that dragon panel to me really sounds like this is dragon being done with Vegapunk. So curious to see how that plays out. Does does Saturn know that this Kuma that he is making this deal with is the same slave boy who escaped him at God Valley? Because to me, again, I feel like the cruelty is a part of the point here. There is a certain victory, like like just just delicious evil little victory in of all people getting this man to submit provided saturn even has the wherewithal to bother to remember this lesser being to him uh does he know and then of course the final page of all page of of all places to leave kuma for what is probably gonna be like the end of this whole flashback does he know the truth of Luffy's fruit. Did, did he know the whole time? Is that like whatever happens next is the answer to why he did what he did at Sabaody. 100%. I, I have a theory but, about this, but yeah, I, I want to start with one thing, which sure. is the, the timing of the, basically the timing of Kuma losing his memory, because I feel like I get to maintain that. I think the way that they're setting this up, I think they are setting it up so that he and Bonnie could still have their Sabaudi Sabaudi archipelago moment. And it's right before they lose, he loses the memory because the fact that she can go into the sunlight before she's age 10 is kind of what seals that. So I think what they're setting up is that she's going to leave before she turns 10 to try to find Kuma. Right. And that's, Mm. what's going to end her up near like Sabaudi archipelago so that she could, of course, run into kuma right at like the final moment or even like right after he loses his will because that to me is like that is gotta be what finishes this flashback right or be like one of the last pieces to it, it i mean it's very possible that uh, you know if, if Odo really wants to smack us in the gut one more time it could be that she uh encounters one of the pacifista instead uh, again, question: Does she know? Does she know that uh, Vegapunk's making other clone soldiers before Marineford? Good question. Um, you know, it, it, instead of thinking, instead of it actually being the real Kuma, it's it's another pacifista, um, or he actively avoids her, doesn't acknowledge her. Like there, there's there's many many ways uh, that there, there, there's just so many ways that this could go still for them. Um, you know, we know that Bonnie es- escaped, you know, escape doesn't necessarily have to mean escape from the Sorbet Kingdom, right? It could be that they detained her after her seeing Kuma and like Saturn was going to follow through on it or something. Maybe that's possible. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I, I, I mean, it's going to be heartbreaking anyway, even if she doesn't see it. Maybe seeing not seeing him is worse. I actually don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Um <laughs> 
I so that last panel, man, we see Luffy. He's I believe sixteen at this part in the story, and around sixteen, and he's fighting this tiger, uh, running away from it. The clearly Akuma is getting some kind of call from a you know the uh, from the world government because you have new orders from the government, Bartholomew Kuma. Where are you now? And we, by the way, his ship having the the drawing that Bonnie made for him is just, I just, it's too much actually. I, you know, I, 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 I just lose it. Right. Uh, but anyway, they didn't order him to go to the East blue, right. Or, you know, cause they say you have new orders from the government. So it's not like he was in the middle of something. Then they don't know where he was. He just happens to be in the East blue for his own purposes. So I think he's here, here for his own reasons. Is that fair to surmise he i mean it's the the question yeah he he people were misconstruing it i think and saying like they sent him to the east blue um it, it definitely feels like he's just here why is he here is he we know he's been here before because he was there when they rescued sapo from the goa kingdom and other refugees uh so he's been in this region previously um you know, we've we've discussed back and forth whether or not Dragon ever let sleep that he had family out this way or if at all um, to anyone. Kuma might be the one person he would do that for still, I think. Mm-hmm. So there's that possibility. It is also incredibly possible that he's just traveling for the sake of traveling. Um, Arlong, for example, was active during this time. In, in the East Blue. There were several pirates active at this time in the East Blue that Luffy would go on to smack around. So there's plenty of reasons for, you know, the keeper of the peace, Bartholomew Kuma, to be wandering around here just as a part of his general marching orders, right? Um, or he's just looking for places to suggest to Bonnie in the future to visit, which seems to be what the purposes of his letters are. Could be all of these things altogether. Um, I, I personally like the idea that it's a stroke of luck that he just happens to be where he is right now i think that works best luck. for me but it could it, it could be something else i i think he knows about luffy i i think that he knows that luffy is here and he's going to find out that luffy has the the nika for because that's what the flashbacks already set up right well yeah it, th- that's does he know that's, i think he knows that's that's the question right because well, I think, we know i think he knows something is going on and he wants to see it for himself it, it right. could even be that he doesn't even know that luffy has the nika fruit but I mean, maybe he knows that Luffy is related to Dragon because they show Dragon in that one panel, and and, and Dragon's kind of like, I've been studying that facial expression of his, and to me, it it's is, just sort of it's like complicated. I wouldn't be surprised if he and Kuma are still like in cahoots uh, secretly, um, and that like to the point where like we see Koala and Sabo and stuff being like, hmm. Which, by the way, how does Sabo not really? How does Sabo's memory not come back with the news about Ace? Whatever. Um, that's just. What are you going to do about that, right? Uh, um, my but, yeah, uh, the, the amnesia thing is a. It's bugbear for a lot of people. It's the um, rare Oda oopsie. It's the it's the it's the it's the one time you see the strings being pulled a little too tightly. The answer is, is because Sabo didn't exist that when when Oda, Oda laid this part of the story out. That's. You know, Ace's adventures. I, I don't agree with that. I, I think, I think, because they have the three sake cups. Um, well, yeah, sure, but like, I mean, I'm talking like because we knew Ace was having his adventures way, way back in like Alabasta. Like, it was yeah. never, it was never gonna like fit super well. I mean, uh, this is a bit of a hot take for for from yours truly. I don't think Ace's random appearance at the beginning of Alabasta and then he just bails out is all that good of an introduction because it's just kind of like here's a here Luffy has a brother. You didn't see him in Romance Dawn. You didn't see him, you know, say him off. He left ahead of time, you know. And then the flashback post Marineford fills is goes back and fills that gap. But it also opens a new one in the form of Sabo. So it, it's it's just one of those things. And it, ironically, I think that's a part of why the live action tries to, you know, tackle this pig a little bit differently and introduce Garp significantly earlier so that we could do Garp in season one and Ace in season two. That's just mm-hmm. me spitting spitballing here. I I, to- uh, I sort of agree with that. I would just say that yeah. I think that I think that Oda had Sabo in mind. I think what he changed is Sabo still being alive. I think that's what he retconned. Because he was yeah. like, well, 
too dark, you know, and yeah, I think he had the idea very, to give him the fruit. And, it's very you know. clear that he wanted to, he wants to give, because every single straw ha- has a tragedy. That's a part of why Ace had to die. Um, I keep saying things that are going to get me divorced here, but, uh, you know, <laughs> like Luffy needed that extra layer of tragedy to his story because, again, for us as the reader, we didn't have that yet for him. The rest of the crew has that, but he we didn't have that for him. So that helps put him at his lowest. Well, and, then we, and then we, well, yeah, but we get that, you know, from the perspective of the reader, we don't have that context yet, right? So then that brings Sabo into the story, introduces him. And yeah, I think then flipping back around post time skip to reveal that Sabo is alive. We're seeing this with other characters as well. The, the O'Hara retcon, you know, is, is very similar where we find out that Jaguar D Saul might actually be alive and waiting for Robin and Elbath to give her closure to her trauma, not just to, not just to heal from it by being a part of the straw hats and everything, but to close that story for, for Luffy finding out Sabo is alive helps close that wound from Ace as well and being able to give him the fruit. And I do genuinely think that that gives Luffy enough footing to then go to Wano and kind of take up the legacy that Ace left behind there. Like that's, that's what he's going for. Right. So sure. And let's but, not forget. I so mean, we have, have the Sabo. To, we have him being the Flame Emperor stuff now. There's, right. there's a lot of gearing up for... There's, there's a lot of gearing up for payoff there. And so if you have to pull a kind of a, a, a less powerful lever to just kind of be like, this is, you know, this is why... It's it's like I was saying before when we were talking about uh, our listener email. You know, why, you know, if Whitebeard's so powerful, why isn't he just King of the Pirates? Oh, because uh, he didn't want the one piece you know uh shanks what why doesn't shanks do because shanks doesn't want to like like it's you know there's well actually i I think those i think those are things that oda has done a pretty decent job of laying out i think because for shanks he understands the power imbalance is too risky you know there's a reason he doesn't want to go after the one piece until luffy and co take down two emperors it's well, because yeah, there's still there's still shank's motivations right that we still yeah. haven't seen but Oda properly sets it up at least in the sense yeah. that if you go after a whole yonko crew you are going to be left vulnerable it happened to luffy he would have died if not for plot armor essentially because you know and shank's coming through for him green bull kind of would, would have just laid waste to everything right yeah i mean you that that's true, I suppose. Uh, although th- I think they used the Green Bull thing as a bit more of a flex because they were not specifically concerned about it. Um, but for for me, I th- you know it's it's one of those things where it's just like because we don't have that explanation now, it's it's the um, it's the cinemasins mentality, I guess, is what people get into, where it's like you because you're the viewer, you have the external logic of everything else around you. You're like, well, why didn't you just fly the eagles to Mordo, Mordor? You know, even though the text of the story explains the answer to that, you, you kind of take yourself out of the narrative and try to solve the puzzle, so to speak. So I think for a lot of people, that's stuff like Sabo, that's stuff like certain character motivations or like the organization of stuff on that story. Um things like that they're they're trying to solve the eagles the thing always made me laugh too because it's like there's the literally an eye it. of sauron that sees would the, see you coming the like, books have text <laughs> I that know. explain it but, but people still bring that up it. and i'm just like the whole point is you have to sneak in like i, I don't like, know like, like and they're like well why do you have to sneak in because that's how the story because that's how the story how works. do the eagles sneak past an eye on sauron yeah <laughs> yeah yeah of course we could do that all day too. talk about that but uh <laughs> But anyway, ba- um, back, back to, this, to you our know, hunch. I did do some back reading uh, on this. Um, to your point about this not necessarily being a uh, a stroke of fate, um, Bartholomew Kuma is one of the only people who knew that Luffy had a brother before Marineford. He knows a lot. He, he knows, knows a lot. He's one what of the closest people to Dragon. But, well, here's yeah. the thing, though. Ivankov didn't know that Dragon had a son. Right, right, but we now know that Kuma and Dragon saw each other while Ivankov was in prison. So we have a window of opportunity. Exactly. That's what I was about to say. So you have an opportunity for Kuma and Dragon to have some kind of like thing, whether it be Dragon telling him about uh, the son. Eddie, you even have the way in of how like Kuma is a father. And I think that he is someone who's very interested in this stuff from that perspective. And I think that like, for him, what's just as important for Bonnie thriving and surviving is the whole Nika thing. 
And so I think that Oda is trying to drive to that because you just, you have to bridge that gap between Kuma and Luffy somehow. And the whole thing with like his run in with the straw hats would be in so much better context. If that whole time he knew about Luffy being Nika, he knew about the fruit. Now, the thing that I'm curious about is how is that going to work? Is he just going to see Luffy having his gum gum powers and know that that's like Nika? Cause we don't know yet if that's part of like the Buccaneer legend of Nika, that joy boy or whatever, whether joy boy was a person or a superhero title or whatever that theory says, you know, is like, Oh, he's supposed to be rubbery in some way. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of the question, right? And if he does encounter Luffy and his gum gum powers, you like, does Luffy, is this like an encounter where they encounter each other? Does Kuma encounter him from like the, um, encounter him from like the shadows basically there are some people theorizing that the world government is telling him to go retrieve the gum gum fruit uh here from this area which doesn't seem right because there's a huge yeah, it seem gap right. Garp's in time. protecting him yeah i well, think i think yeah, there's a huge gap in time Luffy. like if you yeah, if you yeah. were gonna go get it from like shanks stole it right we know that if mm-hmm. you were gonna go get it from shanks well that would be one thing but Shanks being stationed at Wimmo Village, they were stationed at Wimmo Village, left and came back at least twice. And at no point during that time does even Garp show up that we know of, to be fair, much less any Marine contingent that might actually bother to get that fruit. So it's like, have they just not figured out where he was until now? And if so, why are they are they like retracing his steps? Like it, it just there's so many questions that that opens up that I just don't know that the logic is, is, is yeah, there. I don't, so I don't think that works. Yeah, I, I think that um, first of all, I don't think anybody but the Korosei know that Joy Boy is like a gum gum based thing. And I would even wonder if like they weren't even sure if the gum gum fruit was necessarily the, the key to that or if they just right, suspected right. it. I've, yeah, see, that's kind of what I've always... It, it goes back to our quote-unquote evil Shanks moment, right? Where you know, the Gorosei are like explaining the situation. And and they're kind of like talking like... It, it, the, the sequence of events to me reads like Shanks went and told them that the gum gum fruit is the Nika fruit. And like that's caused them to realize how badly they've screwed up. Because that to me, that's the only way that makes sense uh, you would think Luffy would be public enemy number one. Um, he'd be slandered in a similar way to like Robin the second they got wind of his powers. Like, it's not like it's ever been a secret, right? Yeah, that's actually a really good call because that would, oh man, that would really set things up if, uh, you know, the Shanks and world government run in had something to it like that. But I don't know. There's still that's, a whole thing about it. That's just how, yeah. Is a Shanks yeah, look like? Right. Like, that's true. Like, I'm, you know, quote unquote evil shanks here uh, could totally be somebody else. But like somebody told them that that fruit was awakening and that it was going to be Nika. That that's the only thing that makes sense to me, because otherwise the Gorosei just ignoring him for as long as they did. You know, when I say ignoring him, I mean, not treating him with the same kind of seriousness they are now. They're scared of that fruit. They're not scared of his power. So Mm -hmm. that's where I'm like something has to click here more. And so the only thing that clicks for me is they didn't know that that was what it was until the awakening point, like everybody else. But that makes it even harder to believe that Kuma is in this area under orders to seek out Luffy. Unless they found out he's dragon's kid Hmm. that I'm just thinking about right now. Yeah. And I think we would expect that Kuma would let him off the hook or, you know, but I don't know. I think the wording of that phrase makes me think that the, the government didn't send him there. And I just, I just feel like Garp did a, was pretty meticulous about like protecting his kid. And especially like the fact that like dragon is Garp's son, ostensibly, we actually don't know yet for sure. Really how that's, you know, if it's a son-in-law the, uh, or the, the, the Kuzan flashbacks significantly suggests that it's, um, that he's his biological son. But you're, but you're right. We don't have a family tree. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, but anyway, uh, Monkey D Dragon, I just, this guy continues to be such an enigma. I can't stand it. I want to know everything about him. I want to be his friend. Um, but uh, that'll have to wait. for. That was time. that was us about Kuma until you know, and, and we got this flashback and now we just want to give him a hug. <laughs> um there's we see x drake in this a young x drake nice payoff to the fact that he knew about vega punk as early as somebody archipelago really cool little detail there and uh this is i guess maybe before he was part of sword 
Um, and also Kizaru. We're getting more Kizaru, and I saw some theories out there. Some folks were having uh, gamer moments and suggesting that uh, this is it. Kizaru could be joining the Straw Hats. Who, who suggested that? It might have been John. Might've John been. in the every, Discord. <laughs> every, every, every possible character shift is like, now join my crew moment. <laughs> okay, but I just love playing around the fact that A... He has light powers, which matches up with Nika. And B, Blackbeard gets a former admiral on his crew. I can't Luffy. <laughs> but no, um, it, it is kind of remarkable, though, that like Kizaru does seem to have like a moment of he has like moments with these people. Oh, it is really setting something up here, like a possible betrayal or coming to Jesus moment. Jesus being, you know, whatever, the, the goddess Skypea, I yeah. guess. Yeah, this is such a... Um... What a fascinating way to bring all of these disparate characters who all showed up at Sabaody, uh back together and just not only retroactively make that uh, a, a more fascinating arc, but also make this whole situation that much more tragic. Um, you know, th- people note that in the fl- uh, that in his first scene here, uh, Borsellino is wearing a Borsellino, and he's not wearing that in the in the um you know, current timeline. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. Is it, you know, he stopped dressing so flashily, uh, cause he's lost his motivation or anything like that. I don't know. Hmm. That's curious. I do like that. He talks to Vegapunk of just like, you know, less of, um, authoritarian stance. It's just more of a, Oh, you idiot. Come on. Of course you were being bugged. Why did you do that? Like, like if it it tells me that like, if, if he had found out, like if he'd showed up to the Island one day and like, he was halfway through curing Bonnie and Kuma was just there. Kizaru probably would have just been like, I wasn't here. I didn't see nothing. I wasn't here. Didn't see anything kind of like, it makes me wonder what else he let Vegapunk get away with. Honestly. (laughs) Um, because because it really does seem like they had a little family unit going, or at least like mm-hmm. this close friend circle where they were. I mean, it's it is the one piece that people have staged entire theories about what the one piece is based on scenes like this, where a bunch of people get together over food and drinks and celebrate together, and that's what's happening. You have an admiral of the Marines doing the Nika dance, and like that's nuts to me, knowing what we know. That's so in, that's so wild. Uh, it really makes me wonder what the plan for Kizaru is after this, because I don't think he dies here. That doesn't seem, I don't see any death flags coming off of Kizaru specifically. Yeah. But I do wonder what his actions are because at this point he's had to t- take out his own nephew. And now we have context for Sentamaru catching Bonnie, by the way, too. So one more, one more Chad Sentamaru yeah. moment. Uh, you know, he's had to take out his nephew, uh, he's technically about to watch uh, a little girl he personally knew get shot up. Uh, there's he had a relationship with Vegapunk. He has a relationship with Kuma. He's been fighting the Sun God Nika, whether he realizes it or not. Like, there's a lot of things that could compound on this man once he realizes the the situation. I think. Um, so I'm very very curious. Does he let them go? Does he like? fake a flex because we know he's the lazy justice guy anyway right like he's more than capable of being like the oh oops, sorry i'm still dizzy from getting my brain punched in <laughs> uh kind of thing which he yeah, literally he dropped definitely seemed to have missed anyway. the vegapunk tank like when they were yeah I mean, it really does um, not look like he was being serious and yeah. yeah anymore it didn't look like he was being serious like something has now that we know this about him i'm, I'm way more curious about what his actions might be. I don't think he goes full Kuzan. I don't think he like goes full pirate or anything like that. But um, I, I am curious of what his future is going to be. Cause it really seems like we're either closing his story or we're about to open up a whole new one. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and what I would like more is if he was kind of like, not really part of the world government from the start. I would love that if it was just like, he was always kind of like on the side of like, you know, maybe the revolutionaries or whoever, um, or Vegapunk ultimately. And, uh, we just find that out or not even Vegapunk. I guess that wouldn't make sense, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, 
if it just turned out that he was just like, ho, ho, ho. Well, Nika. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be interesting, maybe not even to like give him that big of an agenda, but just maintain kind of that morally gray thing where like he has a general belief in like law enforcement or like the 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 order or something. But to him, it's relative rather than like a Kainu's absolutism. Hmm. Yeah, where, like, that's why the unclear justice thing is so interesting. Yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a, it's a morally great. Like to him, you know, let Vega punk. It's like for him, it's like, hey, you know, you shouldn't have made this deal. But it's not like he thinks he shouldn't have made this deal. Uh, and then and then almost immediately when Saturn offers, you know, is like, this is your conditions. He's flipped the script and he's like, you know, actually, this could benefit the Navy. Like, like it really seems like he's a pragmatist almost. Sure. Um, I just, I love Bonnie. I used to be so whatever with Bonnie of like, yeah, you know, she's here. She's in the story. She's like kind of endearing at times. Like she was, she and Zorro had the fun little, you know, but this whole flashback has just, it's just made me so connect with her and like the stocks for her joining the straw hats and everything just continue to ascend for me. Um, I don't know how you feel. I mean, it's been uh for me i think the the big revelations have definitely been about kuma more than anything else just the we've all been fascinated and want to know about him but i think this has really gone the extra mile to make him a one of the strongest characters in one piece yeah because this is this is a oda has put him through hell for one but he is just as dedicated to his personality to to the person that he is at his core which makes it all the more tragic that that's the thing that he ends up sacrificing here at the end but but he is a quintessential one piece character in in the same way that a lot of flashback characters and, and parents specifically end up being so that does help bonnie out a lot i think because we know at least above all else that like bonnie isn't going to die for him right so you know what whatever the situation we've cut back to egghead proper like bonnie's probably getting out of this situation somehow and she's going to inherit his will yeah that's what it really feels like is is that's what we're setting up again i don't know if, if joining the straw hats is an option leaving with the straw hats is definitely an option i think there's other things that we could do with her in the story uh to keep her in the story it does feel like she's going to be in the story uh which is particularly cool and um again it's so wild that these are just characters that oda put on paper 15 years ago just as a is a hey let's make this more interesting and the end result is that it has made it significantly more interesting (laughs) because bonnie herself hasn't even acted yet like she's she's adorable and we love her and she's sweet and it's amazing like the stuff that she's gonna have to go through uh, especially the context of her actually being a kid but we haven't even seen her escape sorbet yet we haven't even seen her come to any kind of realization her stocks are just not even beginning to pay off yet we still got that to come yeah i mean her devil fruit has always been really cool she fits in super well with the straw hats like they love her she loves them i mean it's just it's perfect you know you don't have all the yamato weirdness where it felt like the character was kind of being shoehorned and it was a little bit of like Yamato's really strong which is cool but what is it to this character besides they have like this obsession with being Odin. There, there was always something kind of missing for me with, with Yamato, but with Bonnie, I just, I see it. I feel it. I feel that sort of like this character belongs with the straw hats, like in a way that just reminds me of like so many other characters and like, what a way to introduce, uh, you know, a character into the crew, especially from the worst generation. I didn't look, I look, okay. I know, I know you're going to stop me right there. Well, hold on, John. What's her role? What, what is she, the lookout? Fat chance. Um, I don't know. Maybe she's like the cabin apprentice, like we were saying last week. Uh, uh, I'm sure we could think of something. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're uh, right now. It's like, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, she, I mean, we, we've mentioned, we, you know, we've mentioned before, like the Straw Hats don't have a kid on their crew. That's something that Roger had, for example. Um, and, and that's why people like theorized Momonosuke or Tama might even join the Straw Hats is like a, is like an apprentice pirate. So that's absolutely within reason. But like, again, it's, it's not even like she has to like officially put on the, put on the Jolly Roger. Right. We, we had law 
and his whole story play out while he was traveling with the straw hats. And now that, you know, and, and now that he's basically had most of his crew taken out, there's a non-zero chance that he makes his way back. We may, we may have them join the grand fleet, uh, as a, as a necessity. Again, I, I do think it would be interesting to see Bonnie have, you know, meet dragon at some point. Uh, maybe she needs to be with the straw hats in order to make that happen. I'm not sure. I need to be with the straw hats. That's what I've been getting at uh, all along. Um, yeah, I just, I, I, I love Bonnie and, uh, we got to talk about alpha who, okay. So we meet alpha who's CP eight looks exactly like Khalifa. I mean, just strongly looks like Khalifa. Two main theories have come out about this. One is that she is like Khalifa's sister, you know, older sister, twin sister, what have you. Um, and then, yeah, some people say clone, but let's all calm down. Um, I think, sure, you, you could do that. Why not? You have two sisters who are part of Cypherpole. One's in CP9, one's in CP8, sure. Uh, the other thing that people put out there is that, oh, yeah, maybe she uh, she's actually is Khalifa under a code name. Which, uh, sure, I mean, Khalifa had a code name, you know, when she was on Water 7. But therein is the problem. She was in Water 7 for years. And the timeline doesn't match up. It does. Like, does not. They have to explain that, like, she left Water 7. Like, they couldn't find any other personnel? No, she was part of CP9 back then, so that um, doesn't quite work. This is this is one of those where I'm just going to steal from a YouTuber. Uh, <laughs> um, the um, the Japanese, um, Artur, did, you know, one of his wonderful explanations. The, the Japanese wording on her name puts it way closer to Khalifa in, in English. Uh, so it, it really does feel like it's a sister situation. And we know that Cypher Pole... Uh, chill, we're, we're, we're recruited as children, so it stands to reason yeah. that it, it, that you know we know that Caliph's father appeared in the flashback to like pre cipher pull in Water Seven, so it's entirely possible that he had two children, and this is just the the not as cool sister because she wasn't cipher pull nine. You know, this, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, well, it seems her, like her personality seems like way different. Um, she seems a little bit more like plain evil <laughs> compared. Like Caliph was kind of like she's. She's less subtle and therefore couldn't do a, a years long undercover mission in, in Water exactly. 7. Yeah, because yeah. I think we even know that like Califa was supposed to be more bookish when she was younger. She would have the better grades. She's, you know, you could see a whole thing with the two of them. And I, I bet this is SBS stuff, you know, like someone's going to ask and then Oda's going to be like, haha, you know, like their sisters or, you know, that's my best guess, too. Speaking of uh, speaking of stuff that I expect to only be in SBS, the uh, the warlord that Ace defeated. Yes, um, lots of theories have been flying around about this. Uh, I don't even know where to start. Really, my whole thing is that I think it'd be cool if uh, the former warlord was someone we don't know, or was somebody that we know but like have not seen in the present timeline yet. Somebody like a member of Goldie Rogers' crew. And so you could have that whole confrontation between the son of Goldie Roger and, you know, one of the, you know, the last, you know, people from the crew who happens to be a warlord for whatever reason. Uh, I, I have no theories myself, except that I just think that man with burn scar, where did he get the burn scar? I put that on the discord I, and everybody shouted me down. Yeah, that's uh, true. It's true. <laughs> if we, I mean, again, that thing I'm going to steal from a YouTuber. If, 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 and I think we talked about this the first time that this uh, phrase entered the the theory community. But like, if we're counting fought Ace as man marked by flames, like that's half the pirate world. Like, it's, it's half Whitebeard's crew by itself. Um, you know, it's it's just I think that just broadens the horizon instead of narrows it down. Honestly, and it would make it more weird that there was a road poneglyph being held by a warlord that could go down after a fight with Ace, much less like crocodiles looking for poneglyphs. Like that just that feels weird to me. Yeah, I, that's the thing is that I think that uh, I don't know. I get it because like Ace has flame power, so it's a cheat. But <laughs> I don't know. I just think that you have to tie him in somehow, and it'd be a nice segue. Uh, to work it in like that. But uh, I, I know I put it out here in the Discord as well, uh, whether or not the former Warlord could be one of the Rocks Pirates. Uh, I didn't do a lot of thought on this, but I just thought that that could be a fun little a tie-in. But it just seems like we're not going to find out who it is now. So that makes it maybe slightly less likely. But it, who knows? It, it, it may be one of those things that, again, SBS, 
But it's just like, ah, it was Saki. Saki was the warlord that Someti- Ace defeated. He sometimes his I devil wonder fruit was the sock sock no me. I don't I don't know if you've ever I don't know if you um played a lot of D and D in your life, but it feels like uh <laughs> it feels to me a lot like sometimes those SBS questions, like he gets those letters and, he, and it's like they're like, Oh, who was this? And Oda's like, ah crap. Uh it was rolls dice. Uh, <laughs> uh you know, like they did uh and he's just got like a matrix he pulls from like it's it's be fun be fun to do that stuff so so you think uh the former warlord is just gonna be former warlord that's gonna be his final like like, some sort of like pun like it would be if i (laughs) if i'm like getting into oda's head because he got beat by ace it would be some sort of like pun using the japanese word for like ashes or something Mm mm-hmm just just something like that where it's like i clearly didn't think about this so i'm going to give you a joke instead like yeah, that's we, have, we haven't gotten that. an ash ash user you know it's an true. ash ash person no oh, um, we're still going to get i mean we still have to get a uh, you know we still have to get more one piece movies so the the <laughs> I options do like, are still there i do like that we get to check in with the warlords around this time I and mean, we talked about this last week it's like this is a fun time in the one piece world, you know, the time right before Luffy sets out to sea. So we have like the, you know, we see Robin and crocodile. There's like the allusion to, you know, the rain making ship from the Alabasta arc. You know, we see sugar, you know, talking to do Flamingo, you know, we see Alvita and Kobe. Uh, I forgot that like Kobe was with Alvita for a while. <laughs> uh, clearly. Deco Moria too, uh, which is just a fun little, like, uh, in joke, of course, with like what happens in Thriller Bark with the pawpaw fruit. It's like, well, what's that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, it's fun. Uh, you know, Amazon Lily always loves seeing Bella Hancock. She uh, should obviously be in every chapter. And Jinbei with with Ace. I forgot too that this is around that time. I I, I think uh, what's most compelling is Blackbeard is like right there next to. Uh... Hmm is just right there next to Jim. Like what a panel, right? Like it's great. It's great because it's, it's not only a treat for us, but it really, really helps reinforce the timeline of like, this is how close we are to where you have been this whole time. Yeah. And now I'm about to drop some literal retcon stuff on you. Like I, I am at my wits end with what this, what's going to happen next. I, um, I'm giddy with excitement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, ah, man. I'm curious if uh, what's going to happen next with Kuma, if he's going to have any more run-ins with the Revolutionary Army, if we're going to get more setup for what happens between the Revolutionary Army and Kuma after, you know, the present storyline stuff. I want to see all of it. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of just totally unsure on what they're actually going to do with all this stuff. And yeah, that. That's about everything I had. Um, I know in the Discord regarding Borsellino coming in, clutch for the Straw Hats, he said, unlikely, uh, King of the Pirates said, unlikely as he hasn't been characterized enough for that moment to land as hard as it would deserve, but he's definitely not going to defend Saturn once Kuma arrives on the scene. Yeah, I mean, Kuma showing up, you think that's the final straw? That Kizaru is just going to be like, you know what? I'm out. Bye. I mean, I don't even think he like, again, I'm not necessarily like, oh, let's, you know, have him defect like Kuzan. You know, I, I think I think there's still a little bit of cope when it comes to like the Marines because people have become attached to them. And that's hard to do with cops when you know <laughs> that they're bad. So you got to have the, the only good cop is a cop that quits. Right. So you got to have the cops quit. But uh, but I could absolutely see him just absolutely throw it instead. That that's where I'm at with it. It's just is is whatever he does is going to be a little bit more morally gray than just like you know what I quit and throws his badge down. I <laughs> I, I don't think that's happening. Yeah, yeah. Again, I think it's more likely that he was never fully in it to begin with and had some other agenda. But I agree with you that that agenda would have to be pretty uh, wild. Um, couldn't just be the obvious. If it was even a thing, um, we have 1101 coming up. Uh, we're going to be able to read that pretty soon. I'm supposed to be reading the Ross for that tomorrow morning and gosh, dang it, Travis, 
we have a break after that. Well deserved, but uh, the anime has been doing its thing. We we are at the point where the next anime episode is going to be Blackbeard and Boa Hancock. So we're going to see the Seraphim for the first time in the anime, which I'm thrilled about. And we're getting super close to Egghead. It's gonna it's exciting stuff. Honestly, the anime covering Buggy and Crocodile and Mihawk was perfect every to the last detail. <laughs> like it's the comedy of it, the timing. It just mm. it's nice to know that they're going to keep it up. Because like Wano, there's always that, you know, there was always that vibe that just like this was the Edo Japan Island. This was their own home, you know, home field. They really wanted to get it right. But it really does feel like Toei has taken some of that sweet, sweet Dragon Ball money and finally let One Piece have some of it. And I hope that the animators doing their best are getting the, the rest that they need as well. Yeah, I think the One Piece live action has also seen to securing the anime budgets because one piece has never been as big as it is i mean it's just the amount of people who are now starting to catch up with the manga after watching the live action back in august i mean it's just it's wild to see uh we're going to be ending out this year kind of looking back on our first year of ricky pyre radio and you know it's no wonder that our most popular episodes by far have been the one piece live action episodes because it was such a great entryway for people, you know, to, yeah. to, to get hooked by this thing. And, uh, yeah, I think that that's just going to continue uh, as time goes on and they start to, now that the strike stuff is over, actually start to work on season two long way away though. We might get GTA six before we get season two of one piece. <laughs> well, we, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Inaki is too busy going to football games. Inaki's too busy living the, the, the life, life he deserves. I mean, yeah, all the, the best life. True, uh, the best life. Sorry, by the way, Travis, for all the videos I send you on Instagram show <laughs> of them. <laughs> I just love them together. They're, 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 they're so good. They're so wholesome and good. And I want nothing but the best for them. I want nothing but Chopper and Robin in the mix next. You know, <laughs> like get those, get those uh, characters in uh, in those roundtables and what have you. Uh, yeah. So once we do end up with break, we've talked about. Of course, uh, there have been rumors of a Freeran episode. They have been exaggerated, to be sure. <laughs> and uh, Jujutsu Kaisen season do, two. Do not, do not promise anything right now. Do not. <laughs> oh, we never will. Um, how could we? But we under, do have the under promise, <laughs> under promise, over deliver. Yeah, I think the uh, the first season of Freerun is just wrapping up now. So uh, as far as I understand it, I think it's just supposed to be 13 episodes, but I could be wrong about that. It could be a, a first core, but I don't know. Um, either way, we've already had 13 episodes of Freerun come out at this point, so we have plenty of uh, material there. Um, but yeah, we'll see you all in the next episode of Rookie Pirate Radio. Thank you so much for listening to us talk about One Piece. We're always thrilled to do it. And uh, we'll be back soon to talk about 1101. Bye, y'all.